Good afternoon, everybody. This is another edition of the Passball Show brought to you by JohnPielli.com as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. Glad to be with you. Today is the 18th day of September 2018. Um, big thanks to everybody that listened to the show yesterday. But I got to be honest, the show sucked. I uh, wasn't happy with my level of energy. I wasn't happy with just the the total sound as I was making the points that I was trying to make over the course of the show. Um, the delivery was fine. The topics were fine. But I wasn't happy at all with the way things sounded. You didn't hear the energy. You didn't hear the pizzazz. You didn't hear the, you know, the fact that I'm fired up to be doing something that I love so much. So for anybody that listened to the show, trust me, I appreciate everybody that tunes in every single one of the shows. I wasn't happy with my performance yesterday. It was a terrible job. It sucked. And I look forward to redeeming myself today. There's a couple different topics we're going to get into today. Um, We're going to kind of stay away from the typical, hey, break down baseball, break down football. Uh, We will do NFL picks at the end of the week. We'll try to, you know, rebound after a ridiculous four and six start which I'm not happy with. But I've said all along, when you're predicting NFL games early on in the season, uh, it's very hard to be accurate because it's you know just pretty much the biggest guessing game that you can have. At least when you get into the season a little bit, when the time goes by and teams start to identify you know whether they're going to be dominant or they're going to be a little half-ass or week in and week out, you're not going to really be able to predict it. At least... When you're calling games, you know, hey, this is a game I could stay away from because there's two Jekyll and Hyde teams that you don't really know what to expect out of. So first topic I'm going to get into today was something, a story that I read the headline, and I think the initial reaction of what you saw and what happened is probably a little bit on the negative side. And I think this ended up being turned into a complete positive. South Dakota State ends up winning a game against Arkansas of Pine Bluff on Saturday afternoons and Saturday afternoon in Brookings, South Dakota. Now, obviously, this wasn't a nationally televised game. This was not a game that was probably seen by very many people. In fact, the only people that probably saw this either in person or listened to it on some sort of, you know, closed-circuited radio were fans or parents or families of the students at either South Dakota State or Arkansas Pine Bluff. You're talking about two schools that are obviously not on the higher stage. They're not Division I programs. But the bottom line is it becomes a national story because of the result of the game and the score. Anytime a final score is 90-6, to whether it happens at a peewee level or a high school level or a college level or in the pros, which you've seen sometimes in the pros. You know, the New England Patriots in certain instances have had the propensity to try to run up the score a little bit too much against their opposition. Sometimes it's done to make a point. Sometimes it's done because there's bad blood that exists between the two organizations. I get it. And actually, I understand it more on a professional level when you're talking about a pro team. When, you know, there there are some issues that are going on between the two teams. The teams don't like each other. In fact, in professional sports, it really shouldn't matter what sport it is. You really shouldn't like your opposition. You shouldn't sit there and be a fan of your opposition. You shouldn't, shouldn't sit there and hug before the game and make it into a situation where 
that takes precedence over the competition. The competition, especially when you're talking about athletes that are being compensated, they're being compensated because of their ability to compete and their interest in winning and their interest in defeating their opposition and in some cases probably doing everything that they need to do to make sure that they come out on top. So if this is done on a professional level, I got to be honest, I have less of an issue with somebody running up a score. Like I said, sometimes there's bad blood that exists. You know, if you just had a bench clearing brawl, let's say let's say this is baseball. Let's say Yankees Red Sox are sitting there fighting it on the field. Or let's say this is the 86 New York Mets against the Cincinnati Reds. You know, Ray Knight just decked Eric Davis and players from all teams, for the exception of George Foster, which obviously this is, I don't want to take this too far out of the context of what I'm talking about. But you got players on both teams that at that moment absolutely hate each other. There's going to be bad blood that's going to exist in the future. So over the course of maybe another game in that series, if the Reds are up 8-1, to one, I wouldn't mind it so much if... Uh, you know, let's say a Pete Rose goes in and steals second base. Or if it's the Mets and there's bad blood that exists, Daryl Strawberry stealing third base with the team up 12-2. to two. That's part of the passion of the competition that you see in the world of sports. And I think that should be accepted and tolerated at a professional level. But when you're talking about college, when you're talking about high school, when you're talking about certainly much younger in prep leagues, and, you know, the Pop Warner level in football, it's something that should be frowned upon. So this story comes out, and obviously it, it wouldn't be a story if it wasn't for the results of the game. This South Dakota State team was up 49-6 to at halftime, scored 21 points in the third quarter, another 20 in the fourth, and the result of the game becomes 90-6. to Now, I would totally understand if I was the coach or the players or the supporters of Arkansas Pine Bluff, if I was pissed off, if I was upset, if I was really, you know, just disappointed in the way that South Dakota State ran up the score because they didn't have to. You know, before halftime, it was pretty obvious what the results of the game was going to be. You know, at 49-6 to at the half, you could probably say, hey, we probably scored enough. Let's tone it down a little bit. Let's play are you know lesser experienced players maybe you got somebody that is, is never going to dress you know is dressed for the game but you know th there's a very unlikeliness that you're ever going to go to that player maybe give them a chance to play maybe you let somebody quarterback that you weren't going to think you're ever going to take a look at that, that all these things are possibilities when a game gets out of hand like this and the most important thing is you think about your best players or your leading players, the players that are the reason that you're up 49 to 6 at halftime. Sometimes it's the opposition, but you know, even in cases where it is, you know, the best players on your team are stepping their foot forward and they're standing out. So you might want to give them a little bit of a rest. You might want to take a look at somebody else. And obviously you're talking about what a division in college. So you're talking about you know, opportunity that should exist for other players to get a chance to play. So, I mean, I understand if you're, if you're on the outside and you say, I can't believe a coach and a team would allow for a score to get out of hand like that at 90 to six. 
And obviously, if you're down, if you're Arkansas Pine Bluff and things aren't going right for you, you probably have conceded the fact that you might not be able to stop this team offensively. So the coach, and his name is John Stiegelmeyer, he publicly apologizes for running up the score in, in this game. Now, you would expect to hear that from a coach. And especially in a coach where, you know, you know, in a situation where you're not talking about a big name school. This isn't Ohio State and Urban Meyer. You know, this isn't, you know, uh, you, you know, uh, what, what's his name over at, uh, you know, Alabama. This isn't Nick Saban, you know, discussing after a 90 to 6 win and apologizing. If it was one of those big time coaches at a big time school, I'd understand more of the backlash. But when, when I saw this story, I wanted to hear the guy out and I wanted to listen. First, I listened to what he had to say. And obviously, I have the quotes in front of me of exactly how he felt about the situation. He says, I'm disappointed in how I managed the game. I should have slowed it, early, I should have slowed it down earlier in the game. I should have taken all the passes out. I should have been more respectful to our opponent. I apologize to Arkansas Pine Bluff and Coach Thomas. I'm excited about the young guys who were in there and made plays when given the opportunity. So you have to balance that. I think I could have been a better head football coach tonight. Now, first of all, that couldn't have been said any better by anybody. And if you actually listen to the man speak, he sounds very appreciative of what's happened, but he also, you can see the sincerity in his voice. And if you put those quotes out there, there is certainly sincerity to those points that he made. You know, he could have said, hey, you know what, maybe I should have changed some things. And think about it, a higher profile coach with a bigger name that, you know, is more about them than anything else, you know, would have apologized, maybe a backhanded apology, maybe this is an Urban Meyer you know, apologizing to Courtney Smith for the actions of her husband in that way. But this was the exact opposite. This was a man who made a mistake. He acknowledges that he made a mistake. And obviously it's at the forefront that he should not have allowed the score to get that high and probably should not have been passing the football in the second half at all. Probably should not have been playing any of his key players. And I don't know. I didn't look at the box score. But you understand that this was a mistake that he made. And we live in a society, let's be serious, that we're all judged for every single mistake that we make. So every time something doesn't go right, every time we look back and decide that you know, we should have done something a little bit differently, it's, it's on our record and it's held against us. But sometimes it's the way that you respond to an adversity or not even an adversity in a situation because there was no adverse circumstances for what South Carolina State and coach John Stiegelmeyer did, obviously. So this was a situation where it was pretty much the exact opposite of adversity. And you know, things are going really well for you. And he, he ends up making a statement later that I, I, wanna, I wanna throw this out there too. He makes this comment, I want us all to learn about being a good sport, being a good sportsman, being and you know honoring your opponent. There's the competition. We balance that. Honestly, I've never been in a situation like this. I learned a little bit more. We should have went turtle earlier and slowed the game down. 
And like I said, not throwing the ball. We threw two big screens behind the line of scrimmage that went for touchdowns. I just know this. I don't feel as good about the win as I should because of what happened. So this is, once again, sincerity. This is a guy that is acknowledging that not only did he make a mistake, not only was his handling of this game incorrect, but it took away from what would have been considered a great victory, a, a fun victory, a time where the coach gets a chance to spend time in the locker room with, with the players that ended up you know, leading the team to such a big victory. That was all taken away because of what had happened. And a coach acknowledges this. So in a society that we live in right now where we're so critical and we want to you know, go after John Stiegelmeyer if you want to and say that he did a terrible job and that should be the forefront of this story, you know, whether it's CBS Sports or ESPN wants to put up the big hot headline, coach apologizes after running up the score, that's not the story that this was really about. This was a bad circumstance. This was a big mistake that the coach made. But in the way that he handled it should be a message for a lot of young kids out there, for a lot of other coaches. And it, and it, this is in no way, uh, you know, making it something about running up a score or saying that you should do that. But if you do something wrong, the quickest response to it is acknowledging that you made a mistake and acknowledging what that mistake means to you. And that's exactly what this coach did. So I think he did a great job. Obviously, he didn't do a good job in running the game. We let the score get out of hand, uh, you know, not just to a point where it's a lopsided victory, but it becomes national headlines. But he handled this situation the best way he could have possibly done it. And for that, he gets respect in my book. I don't think this is a story where it should be focused on the 90-6 to score. It should be focused more on the lesson that the coach learned from making a mistake in the way he handled it. And it's probably going to make him a better man. It's probably going to make his team a better team going forward to learn that lesson and say, hey, if, if they're fortunate enough to be in a situation like that once again, they should handle it a little bit differently. And they will. And you feel pretty confident that South Dakota State, listen, they may be a juggernaut. They may be a, may be a very good football team. You know, the Arkansas Pine Bluff team just might be that bad. So this may be the only situation that they're ever in that they're, you know, up by so much in a game because their opponent was just that bad. I don't know. You know I, I didn't do, you know, some uh, real hard game analysis. I didn't do a preview of this game. I didn't study the stat line. I didn't spend time, you know, in practice in either Arkansas, Pine Bluff, or South Dakota State to have any idea whether either one of these two teams are any good or bad. But I know that if South Dakota State, led by their coach, is ever in a situation like this, the man and the team have learned from their lesson. And that's a lesson that we could have out to everybody in this world. Make mistakes, we all do. I don't think anybody intends to make mistakes. Some of them are more blatant than others. But the key is to identify that mistake, realize what you could have done when you can apologize, apologize, and become a better person because of it. Next thing that I wanted to talk about is 
I was trying to think of a way to look at this because obviously anybody that watched the NFL this past weekend saw the Clay Matthews hit on Kirk Cousins. And the obvious statement was it looks like a regular form tackle and a man that happens to be tackling the quarterback as he's throwing the ball. And he gets hit with a flag, a 15-yard penalty. But it looks like the player, in this case Clay Matthews, did everything that he possibly could do to try to make sure that he didn't hit the quarterback high, he didn't hit the quarterback low, that the hit was not nowhere near the head, his helmet was not driven into his body in any way, it was towards the side. So you obviously have to ask yourself, what is a proper form tackle in the National Football League? And what would constitute a collision or a tackle or any contact whatsoever with a quarterback in the National Football League that should not draw a penalty? Because what I got out of it, and I think what some other people probably agree with me when I say this, it doesn't look like there is any way that you can make a tackle or have a collision with a quarterback in the National Football League in 2018 that is not going to provoke a penalty. And what I would want to know, and this is what the National Football League and their rules committee, and the fact that the NFL backed up the call, they said it was the correct call in this game, which, by the way, probably cost the Green Bay Packers the game. But what I want to know, and I want to hear this from the National Football League, I want to hear this from the NFL's rules committee, I want to know exactly what a proper form tackle or a collision with a quarterback should look like. I want to see it. I want to see it done in a demonstration. I want to see you get two, three people together. I want you to do a, uh, you know, an NFL demo and show the league exactly what it should look like. Because it seems like you put your hand on the quarterback and it's a 15-yard penalty. And it shouldn't be that way. But if you want to go extreme to it, if you don't want to show the defensive players in the National Football League, which we all know they're in a situation where they are, you know, against a lot to begin with. It's an offensive-minded game. People want to see as many points scored as possible. There's gambling that's done on it. Fantasy football is you know, probably one of the number one forms of betting that exists in the entire country. So people want to see points. They want to see more yards. They want to see lengthier plays, more scores. So we all know that everything favors the offense to begin with. But at some point, you have to define from the defensive player standpoint, exactly what it is that they can do and what they can't do. We know that you can't, almost can't touch somebody with your helmet when you're tackling them. You can't hit somebody too high. You can't hit somebody too low. And it's almost at a point where you cannot make any sort of contact with a quarterback. And obviously the quarterbacks are going to do everything they can to take advantage of it. You know, you see in the NBA and you see in soccer with the flops, you know, the slightest little bit of contact and a player falls down. Obviously, you're going to see this happen a lot more in the National Football League. The Tom Brady's, the Aaron Rodgers, the smarter quarterbacks in the National Football League are going to do everything they can to draw the penalty. An extra 15 yards is an extra 15 yards, regardless of where you are on the field. 
So you, you got obviously the pass interference rules, which you know seem to clearly favor the offensive player. What do you do if you're a, defend, a defensive player that wants to make a stop? If you're a defensive lineman and you have a clear path to the quarterback, and the quarterback isn't just going to go down, what do you do? So you're looking at the possibility. And once again, the NFL has to answer here. The NFL is the one that has to define exactly what a proper tackle is on a National Football League quarterback. And if they don't do this, they might as well make a statement and say that it's time to outlaw any sort of contact with the quarterback. So the issue that I have with this is an issue that many people have with this. And I think it's time that the National Football League addresses, you know, the elephant in a row. Is it time to say that quarterbacks, if they're standing in a position, cannot be tackled? Can we make it two-hand touch for a quarterback? And you have to make sure that this goes both ways. This can't just benefit the quarterback from their safety, but if a defensive lineman breaks free from an offensive lineman and gets to the quarterback and touches the quarterback, that quarterback should be rolled down. And if they're not, then they have to address exactly what it is that a tackle is. So the last topic I wanted to get into today, and this is the deepest topic in the day, the segment and the part of the show that we like to call nobody's listening and obviously i thank everybody that always tunes into the passball show but i understand we've progressed we're probably about 20 or so minutes in we've hit the home stretch of what we consider to be the last part of the show and this is where i like to rant about things that i think are inaccurate when it comes to society don't worry nobody's listening anyway and once again this is called Nobody's listening, and it's called Nobody's Listening for a reason. So there's a story out there, and I give the guy credit. You know, anytime somebody that, you know, feels that they're in, in a spot where they're unable to identify exactly who it is that they are, should be credited when they decide to make a statement like Taj Fujiakawa. Fujikawa. Did. becomes the first male professional golfer to come out as homosexual. Now, the the statement, what he decides to do, I have no issue with it. I don't think anybody in the year of 2018 can reasonably have an issue with something somebody declaring that they're a homosexual. Now, we're coming to a point in society, and I hope. I wish we would would have gone there years ago, where it should be okay to be anything that you are, whether it's something that when somebody looks at you, they notice the difference right away, or it's something that you have to declare to be. We're in a society where everybody should be treated the same. Now, I'm going to look at what Tad Fujikawa decided to do. And compare that to something that happened with a Major League Baseball umpire just a couple years ago. And for those that don't know, and there's probably a lot of people that don't know, that former Major League umpire Dale Scott was gay. 
and Dale Scott lived his life however it is that he wanted to, but he wanted his identification to be as a major league umpire. And he wanted to be Dale Scott first, not homosexual first. And I think this is a big problem that we have in society. Part of it is the prejudging notions that many people have when they look at somebody to say you have to belong to this sort of group. And I've said all along, and this is one of the couple things that I'd want to be spoken about me when I'm on the other side and my life has ended on this earth. I am male, but I'm John Pielli first. I have white skin, but I'm John Pielli first. I'm heterosexual, but I'm John Pielli first. I'm a Catholic, but I'm John Pielli first. The problem that we have in society is we want to, it seems like a lot of people want to identify themselves on what their difference is or what their category or their group is. Now, I understand in a lot of cases, there's prejudice that goes on that put people in certain groups when they shouldn't be. But the focus should be more on the identity of the individual. We live in a society where everybody is supposed to be equal. Everybody has equal opportunity. Now we could dispute that. That could be for another discussion. I'm totally okay with that. But the bottom line is that we all have differences. But we should be identified by the individuals that we are. Great people could look any sort of way and have any sort of difference. But the problem is, is that identification is more about what the difference is in each individual and what stands out more about that individual than what they are. And you could be a good or a bad person, but it should be judged based off of who you are, not what you look like, not what your difference is. Not what society wants to categorize you as. And I feel a lot better now that I got that off my chest. A little bit of a recap of the show today. We opened up by talking about that South Dakota State-Arkansas Pine Bluff game. Obviously, on a Tuesday at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, Eastern time, probably isn't something that would normally be discussed, but a 90-6 to score. And the coach finding some way that afterwards to learn from his mistake and actually turn it into more of a positive than a negative is what stood out to me. You got the Clay Matthews hit. And once again, I don't want to have regular discussion about the same old points that are spoken about on talk radio and talk TV and the talking heads just say the same things over and over again. The Clay Matthews hit should lead to one of two things in the National Football League. Number one, the National Football League should be put to the forefront and have to identify exactly what a legal and correct tackle of a quarterback should be. Make a video of it, show it to everybody that plays defense in the National Football League, and say this is the exact way 
that it should be done. And if it's not done this way, it'll be a penalty. And if the National Football League does not want to do that, maybe it's time to just outlaw any sort of contact with the quarterback. Now, it has to work both ways. You can turn it into a touch situation, and once a quarterback that's in a position looking to throw is touched, they are down. And any contact or tackle to the quarterback will be a penalty. If you want to do it that way, you have to be exactly specific about the way you're going to have the rules interpreted going forward. Finally, Taj Fujikawa announces that he is gay. He is the first professional golfer to announce that he is gay. I, I hope he wants to be identified more as Taj Fujikawa as opposed to just being gay. If he's a professional golfer, you would hope that he would want to be the most successful professional golfer. And I understand society doesn't make it easy for everybody because we're always trying to point at each other's differences. But if we ask society to judge everybody equally and not make it about what the differences are, even in cases when they're thrown in front of our faces. We should ask people to not want to be identified by what their difference is. They should want to be identified by who they are as an individual. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. This is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com. I want to close the show by talking a little bit about my website. we got some things updated. We are now on iTunes and Google Play. So if you have a mobile device, any sort of smartphone, please go and uh, subscribe to my channel or you know download my podcast. It's available. Um, we're going to be on pretty much five days a week from here on forward. Um, it's good that every one of the shows that I do are not time sensitive. So if you want to go back and listen to an old show, every show has got a description of exactly what topics are talked about. So if you find something that interests you, I just suggest you, know, you go and you listen to it. Keep the comments going. Let me know what you feel, whether it's positive or negative. If you listened to my show yesterday and you agreed with me that I freaking sucked, I hope that you go out there and tell me that because I noticed it. I hope you as the listener noticed it as well. But uh, obviously, check the website. You, know, you can check any one of my you know, 360 so shows that I've done over the last eight years. Uh, we'll be back with you tomorrow. Once again, this is the Past Ball Show brought to you by JohnPLA.com, as well as St. Aloysius Church and School in Jackson, New Jersey. God bless you, and as always, I'll see you on the other side.